when you read that, that list in Timothy, I believe it was written because they were seeing the negative impact that was being taken place because people were getting carried away with ministry. And it's not hard. Ministry is a blast. You know, it's just, when you're involved in something like ministry, and it, it, you, you can't even relate it or, or, or parallel it to any other profession because as good as other professions are, they're not eternal. Mm. So, so from a human level, it's intoxicating when God starts to use you in the supernatural. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us on this episode of Balancing Family and Ministry. With me is my friend and producer of Stream Roots, the John Blosser. John, how you doing? That intro made you sound so sad. It sounds like I need Charlie Brown music over top of Welcome to Stream Roots. I'm Mark Pospisil. Well, you're fired. You're fired. <laughs> you can't fire me. <laughs> Only the great Doug Schmidt can fire me. That's it. Listen, we were just goofing around a second ago. I had I to know. be serious. Okay, right. Yeah. All right, serious time. All right. Hi, Mark. It's nice to see you. John, good to see you too. <laughs> Uh, today we have a special guest joining us is Pastor Tim Helen over at Creekside Christian, Christian Church. Church. Yep, a friend of mine. We were in a Barnabas group together over two years ago Yeah, and uh, maintained our friendship. We don't see each other as often, which we miss, but it's great to catch up. And uh, so glad to have you here, Tim. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm pastor of uh, Creekside Christian Church. Um being that we're talking about balancing family and ministry, I'm a father of two boys. They're um, 30 and 27. I have a beautiful wife who's also our worship leader. Um, we're, we've been in ministry together for nine years, and it's just been a great run. And I was in ministry before that for about 15 years and uh, have learned an awful lot over the last 20, 25 years about what it means to be a minister and then I believe starting at home. Um, we have a, a great church in Rochester Hills. It's growing. It's a vibrant group of believers, and we're getting unbelievers in. And that's, I think, that's the goal. So yeah. we see people coming to Christ, and that's it's exciting. Praise God for that. So on Sunday, real quick, just we baptized a guy who was an atheist until about six months ago, and like straight up like hardcore. Yeah. So he came in an invitation from somebody from our church, and he's like, "Wow, this is a different church. I like this." And so he started coming, and then he came to faith in Christ, and he got it was a powerful, awesome testimony. So, but uh, you, you just never know how God draws. One invitation can change someone's eternity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We we I'm at the Macomb County Jail twice a week now. I'm on. Six seven, which is maximum security, and then I do eight nine, which is slightly lower security. And we've had a few of these guys that have come through our Bible studies that show up at Creekside, and that's always it's interesting and awesome at the same time. And then having them really, you know, go from justification to see them going through their walk of sanctification mm. is exciting. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure, man. I love it. I love it. Well, Tim, we're glad you're here. Uh, so glad to to join 
in this time here to talk through such an important topic, mm-hmm. such as balancing family and ministry when it comes uh, to every the calling that God has for us. And you tend to see people get this out of whack all over the place. And the Lord addresses it throughout the scriptures. And uh, I want to start our discussion by reading from 1 Timothy Chapter three. How fitting is that? I just put it together. Yeah. Timothy, Timothy. Oh my gosh. Talk about providence. First <laughs> uh, Timothy chapter three. This is God's word, and these are the qualifications for an overseer or an elder or or ministry leader. Here's what it says. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer, or that's an elder, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife. Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? Mm. He must not be a recent convert, or he may be puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he might not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. This is an amazing list of qualifications for elders and leaders in the church. Of the 16 stated attributes, the overwhelming majority of them are character-based. Character-based. The Lord is more focused on the character of leaders in the church than the competency of them. At the center of the list is the longest description. It focuses on the home and how a potential elder manages his household. We can know a lot about a person by their home life. Do their children respect them? Are they loving their spouse well? If they can't manage their family, how will they care for God's church? The family is a big deal to the Lord. We can never get this out of balance in giving more attention to our ministry than to our families. The Lord has called us to put him first then our families, then our ministry. We can never get this order mixed up. So how do we navigate the demands of ministry without sacrificing our families? What ways can we harmonize family and ministry? We're going to answer these questions and more on this episode of Streamers. So Tim, what are some biblical models when it comes to balancing family and ministry? You know, you don't want to sacrifice your family for ministry. And you don't want to be lazy in your ministry for, for, for excusing it because you got to be doing everything for family. So how does that work out? You know, I love the, the, the model and the picture that we get of Philip, one of the, the early elders when the church was growing. You know, you come out of Acts 2. And here's this, this young guy. They, they got young men and they, they brought him in and, you know, prayed over them and installed them. And so he's, he's helping to run this new church. And the church, you know, when you look at that, that first, the church of the way they called it, it was exploding. Mm. The church was, you know, can you imagine adding 3,000 in a day? Yeah. Okay, that. I would I, I love that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just have souls being saved, right? Yeah, mm. yeah. So here, here we see Philip involved in, in, in that, that church, that ministry in, in, in Jerusalem, and so the church is growing and growing and growing. Well, he gets, he starts going, we would call it a viral. So there's no, there is no internet back then, obviously, but he's getting, he's gaining traction and he's, uh, people are getting saved, miracles are being performed, and he goes to Samaria and he's preaching, and it's going great. I mean, he's, he's 
we would say he's on fire. I mean, just it's the the impact and the it's not just uh, effective, although it is effective, it's efficient. So he's doing something really right. And as, and the church is growing, and, and the work in Samaria is awesome, which is what all of us would aspire to when we would look at him and say, okay, that's the guy. And as he's, as, as he's preaching, the Holy Spirit, you know, he gets that nudge and, and says, God tells him, you need, to, you need to leave here and go down towards Sinai, take the road south towards the desert, and Philip does it. And, and I, I mean, I don't, to challenge some of the models that we see, how many times would you see a pastor leave a really dynamic, vibrant, thriving ministry? But, but Philip does. And, and you know the story. He goes down and he, he's walking and he sees a chariot. And in the chariot, um, which I think today we could read all kinds of stuff into this, is an is a, is a Ethiopian eunuch. So, so here's someone who's, who's, you know, he's got some gender stuff going on. And I don't know if he's confused or not, but he's definitely an outlier socially because two reasons. He's Ethiopian and he's a eunuch. But he gets prompted to, to go to the chariot. He goes to the chariot. He hears the guy reading Isaiah. He's instructed to get up in there and, and explain this to him. So he does. The guy gets saved. He gets baptized. And, you, and, and as you're reading through Acts 8, and I'm not sure what to do with this. I went through a few different translations, but it says when he gets done baptizing him, the Ethiopian gets back in his chariot and goes home, and it says Philip is just transported. He's gone. So this guy is some kind of minister. I mean, there's the, I don't know how to define all that. I don't want to go too deep because we can't define that right. doctrinally. But what happened? And then you see him ministering and ministering and ministering, and he's everywhere he goes, he's having high impact. And then it says, at the end of chapter 8, it says he gets to Caesarea and he stops. And then you don't hear anything about Philip for more than two decades. And, and you get to Acts 21, and all of a sudden Paul is, he's had, you know, 20 years of ministry. So you go from Paul persecuting the church to Paul planning churches all over Asia and and you know he's just he's 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 viral he's going you know and he's writing and writing and writing well when when Paul is coming back he gets to Caesarea and he needs to take a few days for some downtime and it says he goes to Philip's house and when you read in there it says Philip was living living in Caesarea and you don't hear anything Acts 8 to Acts 21. If I'm not mistaken, it's like 26 years or something. And it says he's there, he's married, he has four daughters, they're virgins, and they're all serving God. Here's a guy who had an amazing ministry, but you don't hear anything for 20 years. But what you do hear at the end of that 20 years is his whole family is serving God. That impacted me in such a deep way about 15 years ago. And, and you know, you hear, all you hear about is Paul, you know, from really from Acts 9 on, it's Paul, 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 Paul. 
But then near the, you know, in 21, you start hearing about Philip, and what is the, he's raised an amazing family. And it's recorded, and I believe it's recorded for a very distinct purpose, that ministry includes, and actually, I love how Timothy writes it, it starts at the house. If you can't do it at home, do I say more than that right there? I mean, if, if, and here's where it becomes challenging, because raising a family is difficult. And when you have kids, there's, there's there, there, you know, there's no guarantee they're always going to follow it. And I, I wandered off. My kids have made mistakes, and they've, you know, the things of. I would say that the, the roughest time in my kid's life was when I thought my ministry was going the best. And I, and I, I look at this, these collection of verses from Acts 8 and Acts 21, and I realize, and this, we'll get into this one with my story, but you get 18 years with each kid. You know, a few more. Some kids stay home, but, but really, you get, you get 18 years to raise them. And, and when I look at what Acts 21 says about Philip, is he's still married, so he did well in his marriage, too. And that's where I think it, it all starts. When we start looking at the balance of family and marriage— God has to be number one. And then and some people say, and then your kids. And I say, no, 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 no. Yep. God's number one, then your spouse. And, and as, as I look at what Philip did, and I look at uh, where I'm at as, as a 61-year-old man with 33 going on 34 years of marriage, putting her second and keeping her second. And, you know, what's the ROI on a wife? And, and if, you, if you do hard hard finances. I have a degree in finance. It's really hard to figure that out. You're talking about return of interest, ROI? Investment. Investment. Yeah. Wow. You know, when you, uh, just financially. And, and I think as men, and I'm not trying to make this sexist, but I can only speak as a man. I think financially a lot. And I, I'm, for, for, for 50 some years, I measured myself financially. So it was finances, and then it was, where do I stack up with everybody else mm. in my whatever genre or whatever profession I find myself in? And so we're competitive. And, and we, if we're not careful, we do the exact same thing with ministry. But Philip, when God said, leave this church where it's thriving and you're, and you're, you're knocking it out of the park, leave here— and get on the road to the desert. Go get on the road to nowhere. And, and just, just do what I called you to do. And, you know, balancing ministry is not always about having the greatest, the most uh, popular, or the most successful. Now, I'm not, I'm not against success. I am. And I think that we, you measure ministry by its fruit, but fruit is, is souls, not money, it's not numbers, it's not size. And, and Philip obeyed God. And you, and you see the heart of a guy who just wants to do what God wants him to do. Yep. And one, one of the things that I see as, a, as an issue today, and I think this has been the, the issue with humans, 
It started with Adam and Eve. We know what we want to do. And so we'll make plans, and our prayer time will be, God, bless my plans. Help me do what I want to do. And I think, you know, I, I don't know how many times or how many centuries God's just been up in heaven shaking his head like, oh. So when he sent his son, and we finally asked, how do we pray? What does he say? Don't pray that way. Ask me what my will is, mm. and then let me help you do what I want. Philip did that. That is the beginning of balanced ministry. Okay. I, li- I like it. I love, yeah, Philip's a great, I love Philip and his, you know, Philip the Evangelist, right? Mm-hmm. It was his nickname. Uh, sharing the gospel and you see his children loving the Lord. You know, you, you see some of these other, you know, biblical models out there. Um, but First Timothy, you know, Paul's writing that. They say, hey, this is so important. If you can't manage your home well, how can you manage the church? Right. And then if you look at, you know, throughout the Bible and the history, you see a lot of broken families. Right. Jacob favored Joseph and <laughs> Benjamin, you know, like mm-hmm. unashamedly, like when he's going back to 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 the land of Canaan, he he, he sends his family in pairs of like ranking them. All right. You are the least important. But Joseph and Benjamin, they're my most important. They're the last one to see Esau. Esau, he, he gets the technicolor dream coat to Joseph. And you see that family was so, div- you know, had so much division there and it messed up, but yet God still used them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then you still, you see this in King David as well. And just different other, other ones. You see this in the, in the book of Kings and Chronicles. Um, some of the Kings were really good. They, they raised their kids well and some didn't and uh, came devastating effects like Manasseh and other Kings who oh, came yeah. after him. And so like the, the Lord really can still use a person, but like there's such, it needs to be this good balance. This is kind of a proving ground. And Philip was a, a great biblical model of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And and what your kingdom to come, your will to be done in that, Lord. So so what are some good and bad role models for our lives today? Uh, you, you know, something you wanted to share about. I'm thinking like Billy Graham. He made sacrifices for the kingdom of God, and he would, knew he had to go away for times to go and sh- share the gospel. But when he came back, he was fully invested in his home. And he'd, you know, when he left to leave Ruth, his wife, and his children, uh, he said it was hard, the hardest thing to do for him was to leave them at the driveway. Um, but but he, he's coming back. And so when he was home, he was fully invested at home as, you, as God, he was just feeling God's calling. Um, and he's a great example and, uh, of a good role model. Do you have some good role models or bad ones? Um. You know, I, I I don't want to use names, especially with the bad. Yeah, don't do right, that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I there's this guy named Mark Pospis. Oh, jeez, <laughs> he's this guy's stellar. Actually, I'll start with a, one of the most positive role models, and, and and we 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 all work for this guy is Doug Schmidt. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. He's just oh, he's a great example of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, on a very serious note, absolutely. Yeah, this guy, um, to this day, I don't know what words to put to him because he's he's just he's so he's the real deal when it comes to a godly man and a godly pastor, and and um, he's another guy. You know, he's Woodside's got I don't know how many campuses, and it's it's the you know. It's, I have people that know me. They say, "Yeah, he's like the bishop of the area. He's just, he's, he's over so many churches, and everybody <laughs> looks up to him." And I hope he doesn't get mad at me. We can edit that if we need to. But his family's on track too, right yeah. on target. Yep. And and he he puts God first. He loves Carolyn. That's been such a great role model for my wife and I. 
And then I just I love listening to the way he talks about his kids. Oh. And, and so and grandkids. And yeah, yeah, and then now it's going on and on and on. Yeah. And you know, I we've we've been involved in a few different churches. My dad planted a church and in Rochester back in the early sixties. And um the role models that were set there were were just devastating. And the church was split and the families were split mm-hmm. and uh faith was challenged because of you know, an inaccurate representation that people were putting there. And then when you, when you do that as a pastor, that's, that's, that's dangerous ground, you know, to start walking on, to, to say one thing and live another way. Yeah. And, um, and then, and as, as, as I got involved in ministry, um, at one point I, I was told that uh, you can't put in too much time. Well, now that I'm in, now that I am a pastor, and I have folks that are coming and walking alongside us and getting involved in our ministry, I tell them all the time: forty hours. And, and I remember when I was doing youth ministry, and and I was running a business. Uh, we were having we just started having children, so we just started a family, and I was a a lay pastor as a youth pastor. And it was a 30-hour-a-week commitment on top of my job, which was about 50 hours a week. Well, my, my kids weren't seeing me. But we were seeing success. The youth group was growing. Kids were getting saved. It was, it was, it was a wonderful group. I loved the kids. Still, we're still seeing fruit from that. But one of the worst models that I had was me. And I, and I remember the, the pull to succeed and the accolades from the success, and it became intoxicating. And I just, I just wanted let's let's build this bigger and bigger and bigger. And you know, I just, I, I'll never forget the one day when my my youngest son or my oldest son is. I was, I came home. I was a builder, and I was changing. And usually, I would get into my, you know, shorts or some sweatpants or something, and we would hang out. And I started putting on dress pants. And he goes, "Oh." You're going to see your other kids, aren't you? And he was done talking. That was it. He he just checked out, walked out of the room. And then, have you ever gotten that look from your wife? I got that look. <laughs> and um, it broke my heart. Yeah, that's something that will stick with you for the rest of your life. And when, when someone says, you know, well, tell me your wins, and, your, your wins and losses, your highs and lows. That's the lowest point of my fathering, and it was the beginning of the lowest point in my marriage. And, and you know, when you read that, that list in Timothy, I believe it was written because they were seeing the negative impact that was being taken place because people were getting carried away with ministry. And it's not hard. Ministry is a blast. You know, it's just... When you're involved in something like ministry, and it, it, you, you can't even relate it or, or, or parallel it to any other profession, because as good as other professions are, they're not eternal. Mm. So, so from a human level, it's intoxicating when God starts to use you in the supernatural. And, and I think that we can begin to worship the results instead of God. And I believe that that's where... As 
in particular as as pastors or any any minister really, but I might say this for sure for the 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 overseers of a church. You, you just can't let your emotions start to run away with with the desire to do what God has called you to do to where you're getting out in front of God. And that's, you know, when God, and I I don't want to overplay the Philip card here today, but when God said to Philip, leave, he left. He listened, he obeyed. And he left something that was really going well to go where there really was nothing. And, and you don't see, I mean, he, he has effect after that, but then you don't hear anything for 14 chapters. And I think, uh, with with the the pressure that we're living under today, especially with social media, that the whole social media construct of of our social uh, environment is is predicated on popularity and being noticed. So you know we you know I I, I don't know if you guys people say you are you out there harvesting likes you know and that's what we do we start we start. Uh, positioning ourselves and everything we say and everything we do and everything we post just to be liked. That that's that's not ministry. No, 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 no. That's <clears throat> excuse me. That's one of the things about you know being faithful to the to the proclamation of the gospel is that the gospel in itself is offensive, mm-hmm. and that it's definitely not a popularity concept or a contest because you're going to offend a lot of people. And I mean, that's, you know, that's what the truth is. I think too, with some of the models, as well as we go back to, right, the gospel, yeah, true. You're going to offend people. Our job, our role isn't to make everyone happy. Right. But our role would be faithful, yep. you know what I mean? And and God's called us first, first, first ministry, right, the Lord. Mm-hmm. Second, yeah, family, which we say spouse, don't let, you know, what God has joined together, don't let man separate including children but like our families and then um the ministry we have the church you know and so uh or whatever it may be that god has given to us whoever's listening here and i think there's good ways to view i I, one of our our worship pastor eric he was on here a little while ago but he talks about this sometimes um he read us in book like you can choose to do like mission then family which isn't a good order you can have family then mission which you know, God's called us to do things, you know what I mean? And there's a lot of people who don't do anything because they're like, well, I, I just need to be home all the time and I can't, you know, it's like, well, I think you can make a better balance of this. Uh, but but it, but the way I think is best said and, um, is family on mission. So like when God called Abraham, you know, when he got brought his promise to redeem the world, be a blessing, he started with a family, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then he gave them a mission to do. Go, go, go and go to the place I'm going to give you in Genesis chapter 12. And so I think that's like such a great, you know, family on mission. Include your family in your ministry. Mm-hmm. Include your family on your mission. Um, to me, I, I think that's part. So like I have my kids, they read at, at the church. I want them to have great experiences at church. You know, I try to shield them from some of the hardships uh, and they don't need to know those things anyways, but like, Hey, like come and see how awesome it is to serve God. And they want to do that stuff. And mm-hmm. so um, they love being included in those things too. Well, you know, as I um, moved, as I transitioned in my, my life from full-time work as a professional, as a builder, you know, things that I did in that time of my life into full-time ministry, 
my wife and I sat down and we said, okay, let's, let's start to put some boundaries up because she knew me. She'd experienced me as a, as a much younger me. Um, I, I, I can very quickly be approval driven and it's, and it's, you know, it becomes a, an addictive drug that, that you just seek people's approval and, and, and saying no is a great way to, to get disapproval. But you need to be able to, to have boundaries. And so when, when I think of how do I become more of a, a First Timothy pastor, you know, being Timothy, I think it's important. Right, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, it, at the, when we first started talking about that, to me it sounded like putting boundaries on God? Are you kidding me? That didn't even—it was almost, you know, not heresy, but close, that you're going to put a boundary on God? But you're not putting a boundary on God. You're putting a boundary on me so I don't get carried away with doing things that he hasn't called me to do, because God will never call you to destroy your family. No. That's, that's not part of his plan. Amen. And, and I don't— you know, and I, and I want to be careful here because this is written, this is given to us because it's happening all the time that, that there's an imbalance in ministry and families are being negatively affected. And when, when my kids didn't want to talk to me and my wife was hurting, and, and, and I'll be quite frank here, um, there was a point in our marriage where, where my wife said to me, I can't do this anymore. And, and my heart, you know, just fell to the bottom of my stomach. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I did it. I wrecked it. And I was, I was involved in as a, um, uh, on the board of a couple of very successful 501c3s. And they were doing amazing work. So one was for kids. One was for, for women that didn't have any, you know, they were pregnant and didn't have any help. And, and so we were, we were, doing great things. It's all great stuff. And then I was just coming out of youth ministry and being asked to, to speak at different churches and actually really thinking about going into ministry, just not sure where. And, and, and I remember thinking, if, if she divorces me, I can't do any of this. And, and my, 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 my concern was not the marriage. It was the ministry. Hmm. And I realized... I'm so far out of balance here. And so when we sat down, we started talking about what kind of boundaries do we have? And, and we did. We had to say 40 hours. That's it. And, and you know, certain, you know, don't be alone with these people. Or don't be alone with a woman. And don't, don't you know, we put out all, all, put up all the, and then you follow them. And there was also make sure you have this many hours with the kids. Every week. And that doesn't get him, you know, lunches and whatever, dinners or whatever. That, that doesn't, you, you start saying no to people. Hey, can we meet on Thursday night? No, I, I you know, got a soccer game or a baseball game or, and you're there. And, and just, just five nights ago, my eldest son called me. And, and, and I will say this, I hope I'm not out of line. I'm so proud of my kids. I'm so proud of who they are and what they're doing. 
And my oldest son is a physician. He's, he's a Harvard fellow, and he's a pathologist at MassGen. He's doing amazing. And my younger son is a, he's in Air Force Intelligence. I would ask somebody to pray for him because he's, he's deployed right now. But these, these guys are, are impacting globally. They're doing it. They're, they're, they're part of amazing churches. They're part of prayer groups. They study the Bible. They're active in their faith, and they're active in churches. And, and I asked my wife just five nights ago, I said, do you think if we hadn't made those modifications to our lives, if we, do you think that if we hadn't, and I, I resigned from all the boards, I stopped being involved in the 501c3s, I didn't do youth ministry for five years, I stepped way back from ministry. And I had hours to be with my sons. And, we, and I had years with my wife that were uninterrupted. And, and that set me up for where we are today in ministry. And, and the balance, it's, it's, not, you know, it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's, it's what's, you know, I, I, sometimes I feel like God modifies where we are based on our weaknesses. So, so I needed some pretty high walls, and I needed some pretty firm boundaries because, you know, I had this, this approval addiction, which was horrible. And, and I look at where my kids are now, and, and, and I asked her, I said, do you think they would be where they are now if we hadn't done that? And she said, no. And I believe that when you follow the prescription that's given to us biblically, it works. And, and I'm, you know, I, I, I sometimes, I would have thought when we started our church, it would have gone smoother and quicker and big, been larger in, in less time. But I'm realizing that a lot of what we do, really, the focus that we have as pastors shouldn't be on our individual church. Now, that's a big part of it, and we are overseers that, but it, the, the, the kingdom should be first. Are you growing the kingdom? And that's, that was a lesson that I really had to internalize because I think the other place where we can become imbalanced in ministry is if we start turning our own churches into institutions and we're serving the institution before our family and before God. And I, and I just, I've, I've seen God pull me back quite a few steps and put me in a place where I, I realize um, if you if you follow his pers- you know prescription, if you you keep him first, then your wife second, and then your kids third, and then your ministry, it's this is better. It may not be bigger, and it may not be explosive in growth, and and you and you're probably not going to get a lot of likes socially. If if someone calls you and says, "Hey, I need you to see you tonight. We got this problem at our house," and you say, "I can't tonight," I, I'm People get upset, but you know I'm 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 thrilled with where my kids are. I'm thrilled. Let me let me restate. I'm thrilled with where my marriage is. I'm thrilled with where my kids are, and I'm beyond blessed with where we are in ministry. Yeah, yeah. I think those are are great things, and it's a good. I hate to use the term balance, but just getting these things into order, you know what I mean? Of just the right order of how God wants us to live our, our lives. 
And, uh, and again, there's sacrifices that could be made. Jesus calls us for sacrifice, but mm-hmm. not to sacrifice our family at the altar of ministry. Right. Um, you know, and sometimes there, for me, sometimes there's emergencies and it's like, okay, hey, I got to go out. But those are very few and far between. You know, people are like, oh, I have an emergency. I need to meet with you at my marriage. And it's like your marriage didn't get here in one day. It's not going to get fixed in one moment. Like we can meet tomorrow afternoon. Right. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) So it's like, let's pray right now and then let's figure out a time to get this out Mm -hmm, of here. mm -hmm. And so um, I think there's good ways of of navigating all of those issues without, you know, because we want to take care of God's sheep, but we don't want to sacrifice our family again on the altar Mm -hmm, ministry mm -hmm. for that. So, okay. Uh, Any other last thoughts, Tim? You know, As I'm thinking of, in particular, pastors who I really pray are listening to this and feeling conviction or, or, or even, you know, you are, are feeling regret, it's, I, I would, it's never too late to change. It's never too late to say, hey, let me, let me revisit this and, and start with your spouse and and I, and I have found for me that if I ever had a question on um, should I should I do this or should I not do this, my Regina has never <laughs> given me bad advice. Now I didn't always like it, and then she would say, "No, don't do it. I don't, I don't think you should do it." And I'd be like, "How can you say it? It's such a great opportunity." It's like because you said you were going to be here, and and I. I one one little example, one of my friends, one of my best friends, his mom died. And he said, we really want you to do the funeral. And I'd already promised my son that we were leaving that day for a youth hunt, the deer hunt. He had been looking forward to it for months. And I said, I can't. I, 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 I promised my son. And I remember as I was driving up, I, was, I had so much regret and guilt. And I was just like, oh. And and it and it kind of affected our relationship a little bit for a little while. They were they were I, I knew they were hurt that I wasn't there. But that time with my son was invaluable, and 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 now he and I have such a great bond. It's so, and and I that was one just it was one moment where I was like ah I was really torn by that decision. But you know and and I I asked my wife what should I do? She's like. Pack the rifles up and go. And we did. And I don't regret it. So it's never too late. Good. John, last thoughts? Just a very convicting episode. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> no, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. It's I mean, that's <clears throat> part of part of the beauty of you know, being in a in a room of guys who are passionate about serving the Lord and also about, you know, passionate about serving in various ministries. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a good, it's a good, um, heart check to have someone ask you, you know, like, do you have your priorities in the right order? Mm-hmm. Do you have God first? Do you have your wife? If you're married second and your kids after that, and then your ministry. So. Well, one quick caveat. I'm, I've made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> I am I am the farthest thing sure. from 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 a perfect dad or, or or husband or anything. When you when you incorporate this, you know, 
the guidelines that we get biblically in First Timothy or you know looking at Philip or whoever, and you pray, and you really seek God's face. And I love how you know you, you, the if thens we've been doing the if thens in First Chron- uh, Chronicles. But it says if if you humble yourself, you pray and you seek my face. I'm telling you, God will heal your land when we when we get those things. God's a healer. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, and just my last thoughts, you know, make sure you're accountable to your family, right? Mm-hmm. Check in with your wife. That's the best thing. Instead of you trying to figure out like what it is, check in. Me and my wife do it all the time. Hey, how's it going? Do you do you feel like I'm neglecting? Is there something going on? And so I'm, I'm accountable to her. I'm accountable to our, our elders. We do a check-in when we do our elder meetings, uh, you know, of, of, of where we are spiritually and with our families and ministry, all that stuff. It's not a big, long, drawn-out thing, but we're accountable to each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so so check in with your wife. Check in with your, your spouse. Check in, you know, and, and with our kids, too. And so I, I say, hey, do you feel like we're hanging out enough uh, with my kids? We play football all the time. I'm like, oh, yeah, Dad, that's great. We understand you're doing work. We, we get that. And so humble yourself, right? I think those are really helpful. My last tidbits it there. All right, <laughs> let me sign off. <laughs> Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org barnabasministriesmi.org If you find this podcast helpful, we encourage you to subscribe and rate the episode uh, Please, or even share it with a friend. It allows us to get God's word out to more and more people and we would be grateful if you did. We release an episode every Monday morning, stream roots drawing deep from the living water of God's word.